Welcome back in yet again to the Around the Boards podcast. I am your host, Nick Schmidt. Buddy Peck usually alongside me, still out of uh, commission as he just came back in from Long Island. Came in, told me he's a little day-to-day, got an upper body injury going, a little bit of a cold syndrome. It's okay, I went through the same thing myself just last week, so I thought, could do the solo thing again, or, or, I could call in the cavalry. So I did. I called in the reinforcements, so alongside me, we're going to have Island Sports Talk, a sports talk show hosted by two people, both from the New York City area. Both went to Oswego in Staten Island. We've got Anthony Twomley and alongside him, Chris Yackel on Long Island. So without further ado, we're going to jump right on into that right now. Let's go around the boards crossover with Island Sports Talk. All right, all right, all right. So we got a loaded, loaded show here. Let's just start right from the top. Nick Schmidt, the man himself. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Around the Boards podcast is in the house. I'm without my co-partner, my co-pilot buddy here, but we are ready to talk sports with the Island Sports Talk, boys. And I could not be more excited to be part of this show right here, right now. I mean, it's exhilarating. Chris, we don't want to forget you, of course. Chris is in the building. He's a little worn down from work. I'm excited. So so give him him some room, but... does Chris usually do this podcast from his bed? No, no, he's just I don't. Worn out today. I'm just, he's just I, that I've tired today. Day. I've had a long day. <laughs> it's been a bad day at work, but you know <laughs> we build each other up here. We build each other up here. Sadly, Nick's counterpart isn't here on the island as well, but we're welcome to everyone. And just already know, this is the first of many to come. And just look at the three Absolutely. of us right here. You know, from the streets of Oswego to the airwaves. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Hey, we used to have a great studio. Now we got our three makeshift studios, and they're still making it happen, and that's what counts. It's it's just it's a beautiful sight, and you know what? When we're all making it big one day, we'll just look back to moments like these and say, you know what? It was all worth it. But exactly. we know what we need to get to. We missed game one, unfortunately, but the Stanley Cup Finals. It is one nothing, Tampa Bay. As you all know, Chris is the guru of hockey on our show. What you might not know is that Nick himself, psychopath, avalanche fan, even though I think me and Chris might be a little more devastated that they got eliminated than Nick. Than <laughs> we were uh, on the show. No, 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 no. Avalanche I, fan, I and he's on, on the show to uh, discuss hockey. I'll just be jumping have... in every now and then. But, boys, take it away. Stanley Cup Finals, what do you got? It might not have looked like I was that devastated by the Avs loss, but that is only because Twitter was immediately deleted from my phone the second that they scored goal five <laughs> in game six. It was done. It was a done deal. But that's not that, what we're talking about here today. That's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> that's always for the best because next thing you know, like, I, you know, I, I've had the Rangers be eliminated from a cup final. And uh, when that happened, Mr. Nick Schmidt, just I'm not trying to go off base too, too far, when that happened, Let's put it this way. I had a bunch of angry, angry tweets in my head, but uh, I had to keep it, you know, had to keep it reserved. Have to keep you it reserved. Keep, sometimes you just got to keep it PG on the internet to make sure that, exactly. uh, you know, you don't get yourself banned on Twitter. <laughs> oh, very true. And I'm glad Twitter wasn't around when the Mets lost in the World Series. Otherwise, I'd be oh, like probably oh, red flagged all across, like <laughs> just boards everywhere because that would have been horrible if that was if i had a twitter back then that would have been absolutely devastating for my 
professional life. I can only imagine Twam on Twitter after a World Series loss. I I feel like I wouldn't see any other tweets. It would just be Twam's tweets, and that's oh, yeah. it. it would it would just be me. It would be It'd a one hundred straight straight line down of just anger and rage. We already You'd had be enough tweeting like complaints. Kanye. You legit would be tweeting like oh, Kanye whenever he goes would, on his rant. It rants. would be twice as worse. It would be a revelation. It would break Twitter for you know our inner circle. It would break <laughs> Twitter for about twenty people, not twenty million, but it you know. Is what it is. You That's try your best you know, to get there, though. Game one in the books. What do you guys outlook on this series? I, I, I need to. I want to just be immersed in just two geniuses of the NHL. So, boys, go ahead. All righty. So, yeah, Chris, you lead it off. I think that this is the type of series where we need a big, big response from Montreal tomorrow if there's have any chance to win this series. Tampa just, you know, the one thing that I love about Tampa Bay, they could play any which way you want. They you want to score goals, you know, in a fast-paced fashion, they'll do it. You want to play tough, you want to play physical, you guys like got you have guys like Pat Maroon, uh, Blake Coleman, even that uh Eric Chernak that got a goal yesterday, the first goal of the entire series. And, you know, when all else fails, you got Andre Vasilevsky. They are just so stacked. They're so built. They're the defending cup champions for a reason. And, you know, they just imposed their will on the Montreal Canadiens last night. It was men against boys. I really i am curious to see the response from Montreal because they've done it every single series this entire playoffs. They've responded to adversity, whether it was in, in uh, Toronto against them being down 3-1 Vegas, they lost game one pretty handily. So, I, you know, I expect a big, you know, response from them. But there's a difference between a response and a victory. Montreal could play great tomorrow. They could play the best game they've played all playoffs, and they still might lose. That's how good Tampa is. So this is a make-or-break game because Tampa just, you know, they 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 played their B game last night, their B-plus game, their B-minus game, whatever you want to call it, and they still got a 5-1 victory. So, I it's, yeah. It's, it's make or break tomorrow. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's easy for Tampa Bay to to dominate when you're 18 million dollars over the cap, and I don't know how many different ways you could say it, dude. They're you playing just by keep the rules, though. When you've got what? What was that? <laughs> they're playing by the rules. There's no oh, salary cap in the in the playoffs, so barely. They're barely playing. Mm, the Kucherov was Kucherov was healthy weeks ago, dude. Weeks. Uh, so I really have a problem with that, but. Yeah, like you said, I mean, this team is – they're grizzled vets. They know what they're doing out there, mm-hmm. and uh, they really have no problem, like you said, imposing their will on uh, on the Montreal Canadiens' young guys. I mean, you're looking at guys like Cole, Cosp- Cole Caulfield, Jesper Kakaniemi, Nick Suzuki, and when you're looking at three guys who have been in the league for a combined time of probably the least amount of time that any Lightning player has been in the league, it's going to be real tough to fight against those guys. Um just overall, yeah, they they really did. They took it to them in game one. But like you said, the Canadians have gone down. They lost game one in series one. They got they got their door kicked in in game one against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, obviously, you yeah, had the Winnipeg series in the middle of that that wasn't really all that close, and they kind of dominated start <laughs> to finish. But the Vegas series, 
I think that's a good tell for them. I think you can look at that and say that 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 that's a good sign that they were able to bounce back. Uh, Vegas obviously taking down, tied for first seed in the NHL come the end of the season, beat the Avalanche who were the first seed in the NHL at the end of the season. And now you're playing Tampa, yes, with Nikita Kucherov, yes, with Steven Stamkos, which they didn't have before. But I I don't, I, I won't count out Carey Price. I just won't do it. He's been too good this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to count him out of, of any series, no matter how many games that they're down. Yeah, yeah and we've and- been big carry price guys for a few weeks. We've like started to get on the train that you know what he could he could honestly, if he keeps playing on his head the way he is, he could take this team to the promised land. Along with that, you know, the past three weeks, me and Chris have quite literally been the kiss of death for great teams. You know, <laughs> after the Avalanche shit stomped the, the the Knights in Game One, we're like, all right, this team's gonna roll. We saw how that happened. You said that we thought they were going to win the series. You were like, I have no I, I, I idea went how, how I the Golden Knights could ever win this series. They won one <laughs> more game. making no other answers other than they're just not going to lose another game. But, yeah, we, we cursed them. I'll take full blame. Sorry, Nick. I, I will also uh, that's take all right. blame, though. The Knights, that's all right. That's all right. As that's you just right. said, the Knights crushed the Canadians in game one. We were like, all right, <laughs> they're going to take all the actually, Hold up, hold up. I have it on my phone. Let me just read the quotes me and Chris said after game one. I like this. I love this. Where where is it? Oh, boy. Because I got to tell you, Nick, it was – I I was thinking – I might not have said sweep, but my brain the entire time was like, this is just – this is – the Canadian division was going to show to be the weakest division in hockey. I was saying all sorts of smack about the division – that they're yep. finally playing a, a, a decent opponent in Vegas. Like I, I gave Montreal zero respect whatsoever. And you're not, you're not alone in that at all. That was no. a lot of people thought that uh, that that they were that anybody that came out of that division. Rather, it was Toronto, Edmonton. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody really thought the Canadians would even come out of that division. But even uh, even if they did, everybody thought that that, convi- that division was a joke and they had no chance against any of the teams that they would have to play. Sure enough, here's shit. Here they are, dude. It's crazy. But the more you think about it, we talked about Montreal coming into the season as being, you know, a playoff built roster. They have the type of team that they play their best type of style. They play their style is more cohesive to playoff hockey than it is, you know, regular season hockey. You have guys like Josh Anderson that you brought into the fold for Montreal, uh, Corey Perry. He's dialing back the clock like he's yeah. playing. He was in the cop. Yeah, here we go. He's last year. in my notes, but it was in Google Docs. So he's great. Here we go. But he, this is, he's this great for playoff really hockey funny. as well. So it's like Montreal, you know, you could see it coming, but you couldn't. You know what I mean? You saw it coming very yeah. early on, maybe when they got out to a, a very quick start the first 12, 13 games of the season. But then after that, it was a giant lull. They fired their coach. But they definitely – Eric Stahl, that's another guy. They have a lot of grizzled vets. They have a big D. Yeah, I mean, I in more ways than one. But they have four defensemen that are giants. So yeah, and I think that's going to be a model going for. I think that I hate the idea that you have to have big defensemen in the NHL to win. Montreal getting to this point is only going to further the people that think that, and I hate it. You need some of them, though, Nick. Like, you need somebody to click. Like, I, I give me all the five nines, dude. Do the short kings. 
<laughs> we have two strong so, defensemen yeah. that are short, and you know they they move around and they're light. And Kale McCarr and uh, Adam Fox, you're an Avalanche fan. I'm a Rangers fan, obviously. Yeah. But I still think neither one of those guys are going to move somebody out over, you know, out of the net in front of the net. You know what I mean? You need a Shea Weber. You need an Edmondson. You need those big guys yeah. to push some, you know, push people that are Uh-oh. push players that are trying to screen the goalie in front of the net. I think you still need that, but you also need your puck wheeling defenseman. So it's yeah, it's given yeah, yeah. To I just for me pushing that yeah, offense yeah. is what it's all about. But Tuam, I want to hear what yes. you have to say about uh, about the the quotes you guys had before the uh, Montreal series right. with Vegas, Mr. Tuam. Uh, okay. Bless so I'm just trying to clear my mind right now because I think Gian- this is obviously, you know, completely in the heat of the moment reacting, but I think Giannis's ACL just exploded. So that's obviously going to have huge oh, implications boy. on the playoffs. But yes, we have, uh, <laughs> we have 10 things now, you know, further context, the Canadians are in the Stanley cup. So these are 10 things me and Chris said about a team that's in the Stanley <laughs> cup finals. This was after game one. This series is not worth talking about. <laughs> This series will be over quickly. We were talking, so we, we when we previewed the conference finals, we started with the Lightning and Islanders. We just hyped it up. We're like, oh, the series is going to be awesome. This next series isn't going to be as great, talking about the Knights and the Canadians. <laughs> this score could be how the series winds up, 4-1 Vegas. It was men playing against boys. Obviously, the Knights being the men and the Canadians being the boys. The Canadian division will be exposed. This is probably going to be a quick series. If the Canadian, I'll, I'll save that one for last. The Knights will be one of the two representatives in the finals. Just got straight to the point. We're like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just going straight for it, dude. No, like, no beating around the bush. Good, good on the Knights <laughs> to not falter and fold. This was after they went down 0-2 to uh to the Avalanche. Like, good on them. They bounced back, and now they're going to be in the finals. And then we ended it off with, if the Canadians pull this off. People will be besides themselves. It will be close to an apocalypse. Is this real life? That was me who said that. I won't put that on Chris. But yeah, Pete yeah. Blackburn said he would eat a shoe on Twitter, and now we are a hat. He said he'd eat a hat on Twitter, and now he has to. So, so hey, at least you didn't oh, say that. Obviously, we had absolutely no faith in Montreal. Here they are. Yeah, I mean, we'll own it. I wouldn't have made that if we wouldn't own our – because I yeah, knew how ridiculous it was. I knew we just did not give them a shot. And we before are such that, bushes, I was like, Tom. We are such No, bushes. it's cool, guys. You guys were with the major majority of, of people that didn't think that they would be real. And Buddy even did the same thing. He also said Vegas in one, is that legal, was one of the things he said. I don't have direct quotes, <laughs> but I know he said that. And I, uh, and and I know he's an educated said, hockey mind, too. He's a very educated hockey <laughs> Yeah, saying, and he all the way many... said that, that they had no chance. And I kept saying, don't count out Carey Price. I Now, I did say that Vegas was going to win the series, but I said they were going to do it in seven. So I'll take a six-game Montreal win. I think that's closer than either one of you and this clown over here. So, <laughs> so I we also bet – yeah, on our show, we also had bet a six-pack on which goaltender would have a higher save percentage in the series between Marc-Andre Fleury and Carey Price. Carey Price, post- Carey Price posted a 939 save percentage as opposed to uh, Fleury's 908 save percentage in which he didn't play two of the six games. So I'm ready. I'm I'm just drinking beer over here waiting for Buddy to buy me that six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm definitely going to have to get another one in a couple minutes because we are, you know, slugging some down. Chris needs his water because, again, Chris's job is being quite rude to him. Oh, my God. But, you know. If I logged back on, I if I – like, here's the thing. If I started drinking and I had to log back on, I wouldn't log back on. I would just <laughs> yeah, down the end of it. Bud yeah. Lights and Coronas until I, I passed out. So I, yeah, could, I couldn't just, open, just I couldn't you open that Pandora's drink box. You sleep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Twam's got the right idea. So, like, you know, one of the biggest things, and I tweeted at you too, like why I just got so immersed with like the avalanche wagon was just seeing you at these games. <laughs> just how was that atmosphere? Because I've like, Bottom. you know, I'm I'm not shy about saying I'm not the hugest NHL guy, but like Chris can attest to it. I've constantly been on, you know, the NHL playoff atmosphere is just yeah. the best and amazing. So how how was that? Especially when they won what seven nothing or whatever the score was. Yeah, like, that game one. Yeah, let me tell you about that game one because it's so funny because Buddy was with me at that game. So <laughs> um, it was really cool. What was really cool was that like I kind of got to see it progress throughout the the regular season into the playoffs. So uh, the first game back, they only allowed like a thousand fans. It was healthcare workers only. Now I am not a healthcare worker. But we have friends that are healthcare workers. They were able to take me and a couple of my friends to the games. So we saw that with like a thousand people. We were like, whoa, this is so many people for being like a whole year without being at a game, right? Mm -hmm. And then they went to 4,000 people. And you're like, this is incredible. This is so many people. And then first round of the playoffs, they up it to 50%. And then second round, they up to 75. And they're ready to go to 100 if they get to the third round. And uh, and it was just – it was bonkers dude it just felt unreal with that many people and to feel the place shaking in that 7-1 game oh man that was crazy because the Avs scored early in that one and I was like all right they're on the board here we go and then it, it was 2 nothing, and then it was 3 nothing, and then it was 4 nothing. and <laughs> I the I don't know if you guys remember I, I, I would assume Chris probably remembers but I think it was their fourth goal either the Avs third or the fourth goal where McKinnon just comes through the middle and he yeah, picks yeah, up yeah. the puck like he's in a video game, dude. Just picks up the puck, blows by the two defenders, puts it on rookie mode, goes by the two of them, inside, outside, beats Leonard. And I just started laughing. I didn't even cheer the goal. I was just laughing in my seat. I was like, it's <laughs> not fair. And, he just uh, split by them. He, yeah, he, he literally just, split it was, the middle. Yeah, like, they just sat there. Incredible. They didn't move. Um, so that was great. And then in the in the third period, by the time it was it was already six one, and the Abs then got that nine minute power play uh, oh. after Ryan Reeves took that penalty. The Abs got a nine minute power play to end the game, basically. And yeah. uh, Buddy was like, "This isn't even a game anymore. It's a show." And he goes <laughs> and he gets popcorn, and he's just pouring this popcorn down my mouth. <laughs> we were hammered and it was so much fun it That's was an incredible amazing. game that was probably the most the most fun avalanche game i've been to uh and then game two i would say was probably the most exciting because that one was the three two overtime win yeah that was the only uh i mean these are those i mean the four games in the first round of the sweep of st louis and the two games the three games in the second round that they had uh, are the only playoff games that I've ever been to in the NHL. So mm. that was easily the most exciting, watching a, a 3-2 overtime win. Not as much fun as a 7-1 win, I'll tell you that much. But it was it was exciting, that's for sure. But I, I, mean, like, uh, I mean, the, you look at it, you hear it on TV, 
And like, I tried to go back and watch some stuff on TV. I'm sure you guys have seen my Twitter rants on some things that happened in certain games. Uh, but I mean, it just doesn't seem like it holds a candle to what's going on out there on the Island. And that was what was going on in New York. That just seemed like a totally different atmosphere than any other team had throughout these playoffs. They were throwing beer cans on the <laughs> yeah, ice. I, never understand. I didn't understand that. It could potentially be the last that's, game. It wound up being the last game there. But, like, I didn't understand most, why. <laughs> like, that's the most trashy Long Island thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> okay, but I literally was a trash bag Long Island flid material I have ever seen in my life. Those, tra- those 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 beer cans being thrown out there. Now I'm a Ranger fan, so this is from a completely yeah. other side biased perspective. It's a pretty classless fan base, if you ask me. Okay. <laughs> the thing that I thought was funny that I saw on Twitter was that they were like somebody had tweeted it was like after multiple cross checks to the head, guys left the ice bleeding, guys left the ice with injury, and then Eddie Olchuk is on the broadcast like. These players could get hurt with these empty beer cans. <laughs> I thought that was a little, a little comical, but still. I thought that was funny. He he was um, like pretty much like these guys better like be be, be trying to you know save their lives here, you know, because they got to get off the ice as soon as possible. Yeah, it's and not like they're throwing the grenades from the stands. Like we no, can't relax exactly. These are empty beer cans that yeah, are coming. Yeah, from they're probably empty too. Here. Like I doubt people yeah. are throwing full beers. Like they're spending ten dollars. Beers being thrown there. That, that, that <laughs> those are being finished. You can't. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. They're <laughs> chugging them down and then throwing them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But. Nick, before we get back into the cup final here, I want to get your thoughts on Colorado itself, the, the team itself. And where do you think they go from here? Because uh, well, that, that's, that's a very yeah. – it's a very, you know, multi-layered question. But there's a lot yeah. of, you know, th- uh, you know, thoughts on maybe you get – do you get rid of Jared Bender? Is you, you try and get a more veteran-type coach? You make a big move. You make a big trade. You maybe trade – uh, somebody like Nazim Kadri, uh, get a little bit more depth on the back end, perhaps. Even though you have a great, a great defense, you have a great defense. I still maybe you need, you know, a different, uh, different type of, I don't know, component in the back end. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, what I think is that the Avs can't be too distraught by this. I think that they need to yeah. stay the course. They've got a great team, a team that can win. They, they bit themselves they, – they, they hit themselves in the foot in that second round, you know? Uh, they, they did it to themselves. It wasn't as though Vegas had played, like, so well that the Avs couldn't hang with them. A lot of things came down to the fact that the Nathan McKinnon didn't score in games three, four, five. Uh, and then he finally showed up in game six, but they didn't get the goaltending from Grubauer. So there's a lot of things to figure out this offseason. You got three major RFAs and that are three major free agents. And then a couple of RFAs, a couple of UFAs that you could talk about bringing back. So you're looking at your three major guys in kill McCars, a restricted free agent. That's probably a nine plus million dollar contract yeah, right there. Definitely. You're looking at Gabe Landeskog. He's probably going to want eight years. I know he wants to stay the rest of his career in Colorado. It's how much is that the Ryan Nugent Hopkins deal today at 5.125 mil per I think that drops Landis Cog maybe from looking at like 6.5. But if a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is only getting a little over five, maybe you can get Landis Cog for six again. Mm-hmm. If you can get Landis Cog for six again, I am A-OK with that. And then the third problem, this is the major issue. Did 
Philip Grubauer price himself out of Colorado with his spectacular performance throughout the play throughout the regular season and being a Vesna Trophy finalist. The first round he was great. The start of the second round he was great. He just didn't show up in Game Six. I mean, he really, really, that's the only thing that it comes down to. I would put the rest of the games that they lost on the forwards and the defense, uh, not so much on Grubauer. But let me ask you this though, because goaltending is the reason to you know in the bubble two you know two playoffs ago here that quite honestly i don't think dallas moves on to the next round against colorado if it wasn't for the goaltending issues that you had and i was you know obviously it turned out you know well for colorado but i was shocked of that joe sackick didn't do you know make any he made a move in you know dubnik i believe but like any yeah, more, something, they made a something more substantial than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, if this year was tough. Down, I, yeah, you know, this year I, was I tough like because they were trying to. Up. Yeah, they're trying to dance that cap this year, which has just been yeah. a nightmare of a situation over the last couple of years. And it's so funny that it's it's been so tough for the Avs with Nathan McKinnon only making six point five million dollars. <laughs> He's like outside of the top 50 guys in in money being earned, dude. And he's easily a a top one, two player value. Uh, The entire NHL, like no easily. So for them to like be dancing this cap the way that they are. Yeah. They brought in Dubnik. They brought in Jonas Johansson from Buffalo, uh, who they just resigned on a one-year deal today. So, um, but yeah, two years ago, you look at that, you know, you lose Grubauer at the end of the second round or at the end of the first round. Start of the second round, Francois comes in, and he had had a good year. It was his first year in the NHL coming over from the KHL, and he had had a good year, but he goes down, and now you're playing Michael Hutchinson, your third-string deadline acquisition, just in case the worst happens, and it just so happens that the worst comes to be. Um, And you're trying to play, and they still took him to seven, so good on them to still take Dallas to seven in that series when they definitely didn't belong to be there. But yeah. The depth thing is scary, but you can't, if you're the abs, you cannot continue to think, what if we lose our top two goaltenders? Uh, And I think, I think that no matter what the price tag is, you got to try and get Grubauer back because if you don't, you're looking at guys like Drieger out of Florida. You're looking Mm. at maybe calling Washington for a third time to go get Vicek Vanacek or something like that. Or you're calling the Islanders because you know they're going to have a cap problem, and Simeon Varlamov is right there. And if they really trust Ilya Sorokin, then maybe Varlamov becomes available at that point. So, but I think the number one course of action needs to be to get Grubauer back. Depending, I mean, even if it's a high price tag, if they can get him back, I think they have to do it. And I think that the goaltending is the only question mark for them right now. I feel so good about everything else that's going on there. Mm. The defense is absolutely stacked for the next couple of years, but Carr can't go anywhere. So he's set in Gerard's on a seven year contract. Taves is locked in for another two years after this year. You still got Bowen Byram in the wings. You've got, uh, you know, another young guy in Connor Timmons who was drafted the same year as, uh, as Kale McCarr, but he was drafted with the first pick of the second round who I have, I have, good faith in uh and then who knows maybe you get you've got six and a half million dollars on the books with eric johnson who didn't play he played three games this year uh yeah he did he was absent yeah so if you can get him either back in the lineup or get rid of that contract and make some space i feel real good about that so i think for them it's just a matter of as with every team except for vegas you got to deal with the seattle expansion first and who you're going to lose and kind of go from there and that 
is something that also terrifies me. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I think for the abs, more or less, it's not making a big trade. Like you said, it's not going out and signing a major free agent because they just don't have the money, especially now in the flat cap era. Mm. Uh, it's just sticking with what you got, believing in your guys and knowing that Kale McCarr got snubbed of a of a, uh, a a Norris this year, you know. All right, that's absolutely false. First and foremost, <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. We was were... he the only guy who had over a point per game average of all defensemen? Let me check. Hey. Oh yeah, he you was. The, you know what the uh, the thing is though, and we'll we'll get into it in a second. Uh, after you know, I I just think that I, I, I you you obviously went to every or close to it avalanche game that you could this season with the, with your season right. tickets here uh so you saw kale mccarr live in action i you know didn't go to any ranger games this year i didn't get to see adam fox but i watched nearly every game on, on tv sure i can only you know i think that kale mccarr is don't get me wrong he's gonna be one if he's not already the best one of the best defensemen in, in hockey he, he'll be in that by next year he could be like Literally in the he was this year a finalist, so he quite literally was in the top three. If you want to rank the defenseman, so he's going to be in that conversation for the next ten plus years. But my thing is, in his own zone, there are lapses at times. I don't know. There are some things. I he's gotten better at it, but as a well-rounded defenseman, the defensive part. It needs just a little bit more work. I, I I think he's a phenomenal defenseman, and him defensively is still a hell of a lot better than any other defenseman in the league. But as a well-rounded defenseman, I think he needs just a little bit more work in his own zone. And I, I, that's from an outside perspective. From watching Adam Fox, this guy, phenomenal offensively. He's amazing in his own zone. He makes a smart play. I can I literally can count on one hand how many bad plays I've seen him make. And I watch almost every Ranger game. He really just makes all the right plays at the right time. He has poise with the puck. He's a great power play specialist. I know McCarr is as well, but it's just, it's a toss up. Don't get me wrong. That's an absolute toss up. You could have went. No, I think they both. Yeah. I think they're both great defensemen. Um, I just, I thought that McCarr's point per game average plus his defensive course he four would really do it for him. I am a big analytics guy and I will tell you. Okay. And then I will just keep it brief and simple. That I think that Kale McCarr's defensive statistics and his statistic or and his his advanced statistics of his defense are better than you would imagine that's all no i, I know but like i i do i think analytics do have their place i don't think they're i'm not one of those dinosaurs where it's like no you can't you know analytics are stupid and they have no no bearing i think that's absolutely false i think they do have bearing i also think that analytics doesn't can't count some things that are on the eye test there is still an eye test when it comes you know you've sure. got to what you physically see might not quantify into into statistics sometimes, you know what I mean? Sure, so absolutely. that's 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 where I'm coming from from that. You know, I, I think it does have I, some weight, but from my eye test, I could tell that Kale McCarr, he still could you you know, with experience, especially in that Vegas series, it happens. You know, you have defensive lapses, and I, I you know Adam Fox, the same thing probably could have happened if you saw him in the playoffs, but he wasn't even there. So, again, it just shows different, you know, eye test and analytics. It's a completely different ball game. 
the way I look at it, you know, Kill McCarr is going to have 10 to 15 more chances to win the Jack, uh, to win the Norris. And he'll win uh, some. And, and this is probably Fox's only chance. You know, this is probably the one time that he'll ever have an opportunity to win it. And, and Kill McCarr is going to have so many more chances. So you don't want to end up like, like Drew Brees, you know, like never win an MVP because it keeps saying next year. You know, I get it. I understand that. And obviously, I'm just giving you a hard time. They're both going to be great oh, I'm, I'm for a long I'm time. Uh, and I, I'm excited to see them battle it out year after year. I'm excited to see them go head-to-head because we never got that uh, that opportunity this year. But I love both defensemen. Ultimately, I think they're fantastic, fantastic D-men. And they both were worthy of the award. Of the award. So, uh, Definitely. Know, we'll I want to hear... I want to hear Twam weigh in on this because he has not said a word in the last like forty-five minutes. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I, you know, I've been you know glancing back and forth. My heart rate was pulsating because the Mets are behind me. But you know, I've been listening to this. You know, I've been taking in everything. You know, I like, you know, I, you know, I keep these mental notes. You both make compelling arguments. You really do. And you know, I'm treading on thin ice here because on one side, I literally have my co-host, so our our relationship could absolutely crash and burn. <laughs> and then I have you who I want to, you know, continue to come on. And I would love for you to come on. So these, this, <laughs> this, this is very tough. And I, hey, I know it's I'm okay. You don't need to make a decision. It's okay. It's no, okay. I'm going to make a decision because you know what? We have to be, we have to be forward. We have to be bold here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to lean with, uh, I'm going to have to lean with Schmitty on this one because <laughs> You know, when he got when he when he gave me the analytics, Chris knows me well enough. I'm a very simple minded person. When you start throwing, you know, numbers at me, you start you start giving the the points per game average. And I already am out of my element with hockey. You're already throwing boulders at me that I just can't help. But, you know, just succumb to that. So for this, I'm going to have to go with the guy that lost. And you know what? I think Chris point take- per game is meaningless. <laughs> He was the only one that did it. My mind has already been made up. My mind has been made up. Not only just my my endorsement for the what is it? The Norris Memorial Trophy doesn't matter because Adam Fox won it. So exactly, but I'm just saying, just this year, not only just young defensemen, not only just Norris Trophy finalists of every single defenseman to ever play in the NHL this year. Makar was the only one to put up a point per game, 44 points in 44 games. Just saying. I mean, if you want to say my endorsement is more important than the actual award, we could go in that direction. You might also not be wrong. (laughs) You also might not be wrong. But he does have the official hardware. And, you know, listen, I'm happy. I am happy that he got it because, you know what? I like to see you happy. And I'm just glad. I'm just glad to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot. This podcast is slowly but surely becoming more and more NHL oriented. Obviously, we cover everything, but yeah. I'm gonna do my homework all summer, and I will be a different NHL person come next season. We're, we're not like only it, we uh, like a podcast; we're we're an educational podcast as well. <laughs> provide all the education, all the facts. So, before we, I would like to see Twam watch the the expansion draft and really go delve into that Tom. i think if we should delve into that if, what, that sounds like an assignment and you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it 
I'll watch I think it. I, I want you to see why guys, why teams protect certain guys. And if you can do that for each team and you get an idea of that, you'll be very versed in the NHL as a whole. I honestly, at that would point. do like and a lot. Very versed in Seattle. Draft. That'd be awesome. If, if it's on yeah. a day where like we're all free, I would absolutely do that. You it's a watch. Wednesday night at like the end of July, I think. Well, we already know Wednesday typically works for us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's quite possible. Uh, I all think, right, you then. know, over the past few weeks, I've gotten a little better. You know, Chris has been able to see the progression. Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. I think within, obviously, you know, especially when you don't know, like, most of the players at all. Like, I know most of these guys just because, you know, they're the best in the sport. I think, you know, if I, like, really dug deep, I think within, like, two years of, like, really watching, I'd be able to, like, hold. Because one season, that's just a lot to throw into someone's plate when you know literally none of the players. Sure. But within two seasons, I think – I think we'll get something, but you know, I'm going to be watching a lot more next season. Obviously watching, I'll try to watch as much of the playoffs as possible, but and you'll just... get a full season next season too. Yeah, you'll get full, a full yeah, 82 actual games 82 schedule. games. Hey, full playoffs. And let me tell you, Tom, you'll, you'll even get exhibition games. You come out to Colorado, we hike some mountains. You may be Oh, you already dog. know. I mean, we go to some Avs games. Every time he posts his, his, his rocky hikes, I'm just like, <laughs> This guy, like, let me enjoy the Adirondacks. Let me enjoy the Catskills. I know they're not 14,000 feet, but let me enjoy it. All right? You don't have to. I, I, got, I do the highest peak in New York, one of the highest peaks in the Northeast. Yeah, like Mount Marcy. Just, yeah. Add insult injury. Oh, I'm casually 15,000 feet. Yeah. Get out of here with that, all right? I'm trying. But, hey, man. Hey, man. If you, you know, ever want to go, just let me know. You know it's on my list. You know, the work situation oh, I is tough. But we will try to come out there for sure. Uh, I would it's, love nothing more. You know it's I'd on be at a I mean, Colorado is one of those spots. <laughs> and Do a I live would, pod from right here in my spare bedroom. I would want nothing more than to go to an Avalanche game with you, honestly. Oh, I'd love, love to go to a Ranger really. game with Chris as well. And go to a game. We have tons of tailgates all summer lined up for baseball. But, yeah, going to an abs game on top of, you know, so conquering some Rockies. Absolutely. And spending time with Layla the Beast. Yeah. Uh, it's all, it, it'll all happen. We'll, we'll, we're getting there. Right? We're all right. We're slowly but surely getting there. Definitely we like to hear that. Um, we love well, to hear before it. we go into I know we just delved into the awards a little bit. Before we, you know, go into these awards, uh, I, I want to get everybody's predictions here. How do Our you favorite. Everyone the loves their prediction. I'll go last because I'll let you guys do the out. informed talking. How do you think the rest of the series is going to play out, Nick Schmidt? We'll start with you. Uh, what is your series prediction as far as it plays out and games? How many? I obviously I one just, game has gone by, so it's kind of like skewed on how we're going to make this prediction. But still, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really going to be a tough series at this point. If, after you go down one zero, it becomes that much harder. Uh, to come back from that series. I'm just going to throw some statistics at you guys because I freaking love statistics. So uh, feed me all all of them. (laughs) (laughs) All time home teams that win game one, go on to win the series 62% of the time. They're 457 and 269 all time. uh, If in winning game one, the home team is in game one. Um, So uh, after winning game one, that team goes on to win the series 68.6% of the time. Uh, but if Montreal is able to come back, even up the series, they up their odds. They go from about a 40% chance back to a 48.5% chance to win the series if if the road team is able to even it up in game two. 
which they have already done twice this season. So uh, I do believe that Montreal still has a chance, but they're really going to have to dig deep. Carey Price is going to have to go back to being the animal that he has been all season and throughout these playoffs because they're really banking on him throughout these playoffs. The only hard part is, is that, man, you look at the, the statistics of goalies throughout these playoffs, best save percentages of all goalies, right? You're looking at Carey Price outside of the top 10 at six, but you take a couple of guys off of there, a couple of guys that didn't make it through the first or second round. You look at Craig Anderson, you could take him off because he only played in the first round. He only played two games. Connor Hellebuck only played eight games. Spencer Knight only played two games. Jack Campbell only played seven games. So take those take those four guys off. You're looking at two goalies of the top of the top two. Carey Price is second with a 928 save percentage throughout the playoffs. Who's in front of him? Andre Vasilevsky with a 936. So it's just that much high. It's so crazy that Carey Price has been so good, and the only guy that's standing in his way is the one man that has been better than him in these whole playoffs. Uh, so it's going to be a dog fight and they're going to have to, to strike on every chance. Cole Caulfield is going to have to be just as electric as he has been all series. Final prediction. Unfortunately, I think Tampa takes this one in six. Okay. Yeah. I, I gotta agree with you. Not on the games though. I'm going to go with Tam- Tampa in five. Yeah, I, uh, see? You know what the thing is? I don't think they're going to win tomorrow night, uh, Montreal. And part of the reason is Tampa is just, I mean, you put put it so eloquently with with these statistics where me and Tuam, we need to have more statistics. We hand up. We definitely just, we talk. That's all. We definitely have no facts. That's fine. But I, I, you know, when you bring up, you know, Carey Price and me and Tuam have said, I, I still think he is the best goalie in the world. Personally, I think it's more of a mm-hmm. preference thing because on the biggest stage, he always shows up. Regular season last couple of years hasn't been his best, you know, showing, uh, you know, as far as supporting him being the best goalie in the world. But you saw it in the bubble last year. You've seen it this whole playoffs. You see in the Olympics, you have a big stage. He's as cool as a cucumber. He's yeah. just as good as they come. But just as good as he is, it's you know, it's even with Andre Vasilevsky. The last five years, you could say he's been the best goalie in the world. It's literally one A and one B for best goalie in the world right now against each other. So that's a wash. The goaltending's a wash between these two teams, if you ask me. And at best, because if Vasilevsky plays at his best, you know, it's going to be awfully hard to beat Tampa. Considering I think that both in the defense and offensively with the forwards, I think they're just so much deeper. Tampa, and I mentioned it earlier, can play so many different ways. They can play so many different styles of games. You know, if they want to get tough and physical, they got guys like Coleman, Maroon, uh, Chernak. They got Yanni Gord. They just have that sandpaper. They have that grit. And they, you know what, if they want to play an offensively, you know, styled fast-paced type of game, they can do that too. They have the most deadly power play. I think they have a 38% power play right now, which is ridiculous. It's yeah, and it's going up against crazy. that number one penalty kill of uh, of Montreal, and they showed last night that, I mean, they scored a power play goal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it, and it's it's 
it's tough. I mean, you could play that number one power play or that number one penalty kill all mm-hmm. year when you're playing against the North Division, not to take anything away from them because we know how that goes. But you're playing against Vegas, but then you when you play against Tampa, it's a totally different animal. Mm. It really is. I mean, they could just they play they they are flirting with, you know, dynasty type territory here, especially if they win this series. You know, because obviously the cap might be something that gets in their way, but they still are going to have their core. They're going to still have their key guys, but I don't want to veer too far off. But they, yeah, we'll you know, see how, what they do with that extra eighteen million when it comes next year, and they actually have to pay for these guys instead yeah. of just doing the well, bullshit they'll, they'll, that they did this year. Hedman's going to have some sort of you know hip injury, and they're going to oh, he's going to miss eighty-two year. games they, yeah. this year. Uh, yes, that'll yeah, be very could nice. Could you for imagine them. they just like start sitting guys? They're like, you know, what? we're going to sit. Yeah, the league would have to look into it at some point, right? Yeah. They would have to start. I mean, being it's definitely like, a strategy okay. that's like, oh, we could get away with this if that. I could see that's something that would I could see happening for like getting away with one yeah. more season and then the league would be like all right enough enough that's the that. hard part with the way that the nhl does it with the long-term injury is that the player is still getting paid his full salary so the players aren't going to have a problem with it so the team gets to retain all that salary as long as guys are out so teams aren't teams and owners aren't going to have a problem with it the only people that has a problem with it are the fans and we don't mean shit to them it doesn't matter what we say I, I personally don't have a problem with it because a team like the Rangers, a team like the Leafs, a team like Tampa, teams that have those big budgets that can pay up to the cap, it doesn't hurt them because they can pay over the cap and pay out that in actual salary. This has become way too off the beaten path. So I'm just going to say Tampa in five, and I think that they just – they're too good. They're just too good. That's a fair right. point. I know this is the prediction everyone's been waiting for. Yes. So <laughs> especially me. I have a <laughs> I have a couple notes. You know, I do a little homework. Uh so like I feel like, you know, if they do flame out quick rather quickly, uh it is giving me like, you know, kind of vibes of when the Rangers, you know, lost in five to the Kings, you know, carried by Lundquist the entire way. So it kind of the same way with Carrie Price, you know, dragging them all the way to here. Uh, it's certainly not fair, in my opinion, that the Lightning, you know, on top of all these studs, also happen to have one of the best, you know, goaltenders on top of it. So, you know, the one yeah. advantage you would expect the Canadians to have, it's like really, you know, neutralized by Tampa. Right. And then, you know, everything else we saw in game one, what happened. Uh, I've become a big carry price guy. I like when... I like when goal, you know, when goaltenders just go off and they carry teams the way he's doing. So I'm going to respect him. Uh, I apologize for completely, you know, downplaying any shot they had against the Knights, but I'm still going to go Tampa. I'm actually also going Tampa in six because I'm going to give Carey Price two games. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think they'll just, you know, win just solely on the will of him blocking, you know, and saving everything. But I mean, top to bottom, it's quite obvious. Tampa is the better team. I'm not going to come out with 10 ridiculous things to say because I don't want to <laughs> myself again, but I was shocked that they lost to the Knights. I would be even more shocked if they lost to the Lightning. And I think that's even more reasonable than, you know, last series because, yeah. you know, no, no I'm going to just go ahead and say it. they have no business winning this series. They, re- they really don't. Oh, and if they do, no. you know, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah. it all hinges on game two. It sounds obvious. You know, yeah. No, no, you're, you're totally right in that advice. 
Yeah, I can give you some statistics right here. Okay, series yeah. where the home team wins game one. You move on to game two. If the home team wins game two, they win the series 88.7% of the time. If the road team wins the series, they still only win the series 48.5% of the time. So even if they win tomorrow night, they're still behind the eight ball. But they're far more behind the eight ball if they lose tomorrow night. They're only looking at a 22% chance all time. Based on all time numbers, you're only looking at a 22% chance of winning the series if you go down 2-0, even if you're going back to Montreal. Because yeah, good, I, I mean, and on top of that, it's such a tall insurmountable task and one of the reasons you know me and chris had to backtrack our initial picks when we were predicting the rest of the series last week when they were already up three two against the knights our biggest thing was we don't we didn't see them beating carrie price two games in a row even if they you know won game six i i still didn't see them winning game seven at all no chance. and the, yeah. the thing with this is i don't see carrie price you know neutralizing this lightning team four times in the next yeah. six games it just doesn't seem fathomable i mean we saw them what was it eight nothing against the islanders they just scored five in game one we we saw how no pun intended electric this offense can be <laughs> and it's just I, I respect him to win two games i wouldn't but i i just i think it's too tall an yeah. order for him yeah, i think what you're saying is kind of that they need to win they can't just rely on Car- yes, Carey Price can steal them two games, but they're going to have to find two other. Yeah, ways they're going to have to win. find offense, and if they yeah. can't, you, I mean, here's the obvious beat them in a shootout. You got to yeah. score to win. You can't you can't win if you don't score. And so. exactly and any which way you slice it, tomorrow night Montreal has to win. They do not even come close to winning the series if they're down 0-2 going back to Montreal. No, ch- you think that the Montreal Canadiens can win four out of five against the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the series? Then they, no. it just—it's not going to happen. I mean, so we've seen comebacks as much win as you're going to get. But the Lightning are not the Maple Leafs. They're not going to blow a three-one lead. It's just not going to happen. It's just <laughs> yeah. not no, going to happen. Exactly. They've yeah, been there. That's, they've that's done that. They're defending champs. So, yeah. so you know, um, sweep well, across the board. We all got the Lightning. Shocker. Um, but let's go into those awards. Clearly, we already you know, did our our number on the defensive or the defenseman, whatever the award's credit. I'm sorry. Uh, James but we got some that. other ones. And I just have a question for you guys. What is the difference between the most valuable player and the most outstanding player? Okay, so, so you're talking about the Ted Lindsay and the uh, – you're talking about the Ted Lindsay and the MVP, correct? Yes. Ted okay. Lindsay is voted on by the players. Correct. The players okay. vote who the best player is. The Hart Memorial is voted by the writers. Those, those, because, so that's like, I difference. feel like in every sport, you know, that that's always the debate. It's Is the MVP the best player or actually the most valuable? And I think more sports should actually have this because, I mean, Connor McDavid swept that, and I guess, you know, that probably makes sense anyway. But, you know, there's so yeah, many – he had 105 yeah. points. Yeah, yeah I got about 100 points. <laughs> yeah, they played 56 games. And, like, I had to, like, look, like, 10 times to make sure that that was as absurd as I thought. And then I yeah. started, like, going back to see what the points leader's points were looking like in an 82-game season. I was like, this guy was about to smash everyone's points totals. Like, yeah. it, it's it was so stupid. And yeah. I mean that in the most, you know, flattering way. When I'm calling something stupid like this, it's just – Unf- like just ridiculous like, he's he's insane like, everything yeah. about him is just 
I can't. I have no words. I know. Absolutely. Words. I totally agree. He is the best regular season player that you'll ever see, dude. He <laughs> can absolutely. Oh, there it is. No, no, no. This is here. Hear me out. Because it's not no, his don't fault. Worry. We I, gave him. We gave him shit also. Don't worry. I, I don't think it's his fault that like all it's of a sudden he his can't fault. perform. He can't perform in the playoffs. I think it becomes a guy carries your team 82 games most years. This year, 56. But 82 games, he carries you to win after win to get into the playoffs. The guy's got to be at least a little bit burnt out by the time he gets to the playoffs, right? Yeah. And with minimal help behind him and guys like Leon Dreisaitl, who I honestly, he's been good, yes, but I think he's only as good because he's playing on a line with Connor McDavid. And then you're looking at guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins behind that. Those guys can't produce at the same level. And when teams are able to focus, they're like, okay, seven games, we need to cut, shut down Connor McDavid for four. If we could shut down Connor McDavid for four, we win. And when teams can focus on that instead of just, you know, the night after night of like, okay, we have a game, then a day off. Okay, then we play the Oilers, then a day off, then a game. Um, I think when they're really able to focus in on Connor McDavid, plus the fact that he just carried his team to to the playoffs through 82 games when definitely without him there's no chance not even if they had the next best player in the world who's probably Nathan McKinnon I don't think he's able to carry them to that many wins because McDavid's just that good uh he's just got to be a little burnt out and that's that's really where I think it he he loses steam for me yeah and you know I like I you know most of that I I agree with as well uh, and you know, we've, we've gotten into it as well, especially after they flamed out in the first round. I mean, it's right. really, it's, there's no better comparison, I think in sports in terms of superstars than him and Mike Trout. I mean, it's just so on par there on there's, there's no, the two guys. there's no describing just how yeah. good they are. And, you know, not enough people still like, obviously everyone in hockey circles knows how good Connor McDavid is. Everyone in baseball circles know how good Mike Trout is, but we're literally looking at history and how good these guys are. And they're not just there. And it's because of the lack of playoff success also that plays into it. Why we not more people know about them, but like you said, you know, the team, obviously he needs to perform better in the playoffs too, you know, tired or not, you still got to show up. Other people are, but Mm -hmm. you know, these team, these organizations, you know, me and Chris are big on bashing the Angels, so sorry if you are an Angels fan, you're going to get bashed again. But these That's organizations, okay. and it's not just these two, but you know they're the ones at the forefront of it. But when you have generational players, historic players, can we make an emphasis on helping them as well? Like it's all, you know, it's all fine letting them carry you through the regular season, but time and time again, well, not much with Mike Trout, but we've seen it with McDavid. You're going to get exposed in the postseason, so you got to do something about it. And obviously. Freak of nature regular season, but we saw where that got them. It literally got them nowhere. Right? Yeah. I, 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 nowhere. You know what the thing is? They just – they don't have the depth. They really just don't have those bottom – their bottom six for Edmonton just isn't there. And you're. And I think that's a great point, Nick Schmidt, when it comes to burnout. You could only carry the team for so long. And then playoffs is a completely different animal. The game just gets so much tighter. The type of style of game McDavid plays – it's not that, you know, I think it's almost like he has to change the way he plays in the playoffs a little bit. He plays a very fast, obviously he's the fastest player in the world, but right. it's one of those things where he needs maybe to slow the game down for himself a little bit. He needs to, 
maybe, you know, may, not focus on being the, the guy to have to put up all the points and put up all the offense. But that's not his fault. He can only work with what's provided with him. If he gets more depth, he could focus on being better in his own zone, doing the yeah. things to help his team win that are on the score sheet and defensively. That's something we saw Crosby do as he won, he won back-to-back cups. He finally got the support he needed. He finally got the bottom six and the, you know, the role players he needed. He was able to focus on the, both the defensive side of the game and he still put up phenomenal numbers. And he really sure, Ovechkin too. Clutch goals. He saw it with Ovechkin. That's another great point. I think he's going to be more like the Ovechkin where it's going to take him a while to get there, but he is going to win his cup. Connor McDavid is not going well, to not go the rest of his career without getting the Stanley Cup. That would be a tragedy. That would, really that would be, be a tragedy. tragedy. You, that would Mike be Trout, that might be a different story. But. He's not going to win one. As long yeah. as he's and I'm I'm not I'm not, you know, even shy to say it. As long as Mike Trout wears an Angels uniform, he will never sniff a World Series. Maybe never. they'll get out of the first round of the playoffs, maybe they'll never sniff a World Series. All right. But yeah, an, enough of bashing the Angels. They got another <laughs> Let's go on star to the, anyway uh, that we need to talk about. But that's another another discussion for another time. So we have two more awards to to, to talk about because we talked about the James Norris in the uh, yep. in the beginning here with uh, Adam Fox winning that, Connor McDavid he won the Ted Lindsay in the uh, Hart Memorial. So no matter where you slice, which way you slice it, everybody thinks he's the best player in the world. Player, yeah, people players. know it. Um, yeah. Calder Memorial, Kirill Kaprizov, so Rookie of the Year, Kirill Kaprizov. That's a he scary had situation. A hell of a year, and he's finally, you know, the Minnesota Wild are an eh team. They're just a blunt team before he yeah. got there. Sure. As soon as he got there, he he added some pop to that lineup. He added some, you know, pizzazz, and now he's threatening to leave. So yeah, but good for Kirill Kaprizov. Kaprizov, you know, I I don't, still don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm pretty sure it's Kaprizov, but either Kaprizov, way, it's okay. fine. Yeah, Kaprizov. So, Kaprizov might be going back to the KHL, though. He's not liking the contract he's getting, but well, that's a whole different debate for another day. He is the rookie of the year, and I don't think anybody you know, came close to it. Maybe Robertson for Dallas, but still, I think I think Kaprizov you know, was far and away the best rookie this year. Yeah, Robertson really dialed it in there at the end, but Krill, Krill the thrill, dude. Krill he just brought it all year, man. Like... I am an Avs fan, so naturally, I hate the Wild, dude. I can't stand that team. I couldn't stop watching that kid, dude. He's just so much fun to watch. He 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 drives play, and you could take a nap while the other three lines come out there because they don't do shit for them. Nothing. But <laughs> he touches the ice. It's electric in there, and, and, and it was so much fun to watch him throughout this year because – Everybody knew that the Avs and the Knights were going to be the top two teams in that division playing each other all year. People thought that St. Louis was going to be a little bit better than they were and that they would be the three seed and, you know, be a little bit away from the Avs and Knights, but still be in there pretty solidly. And that four seed was kind of up for debate between people thought maybe San Jose would be better uh, uh, between and then Minnesota. I mean, you're looking at just kind of dumpster teams from there. You're looking at like Minnesota, Arizona, uh, uh, that all the three California teams and they, like no one was really that good. It was kind of like, okay, whoever wins that of those five teams gets to get waxed in the first round by Colorado or Vegas, which obviously happened. It was San Jose, or it ended up being 
St. Louis and they got beaten four here in Colorado. So, um, but yeah, Krill was awesome, dude. I love that kid. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch and it's so, isn't it so interesting, Chris, how this is not the first time that this is happening, uh, to, to the Minnesota wild. I know it's, Marion Gabrick did the same thing back in the day it's where bizarre. he decided that he didn't want to go back and he wouldn't go back until they traded his contract. And, and then now, they did. and then he then Marion Gabrick yeah. ends up a Ranger. You know, yeah, just, and he went on to have a great career outside of Minnesota after three great years there. So it's a little tougher with Krill because this is his first year over here. And, in, and uh, this is the first time like the Wild in a long time have had somebody that just had that that yeah just dynamic. The last energy. one was Gabrick. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. The last one was Gabrick in the first three years of his career was the last time they had that that stud guy where he was fun to watch. You could build around a guy like that. Um, Twam, so- look up Kirill the Thrill. This guy, <laughs> if you look at him, he looks like he, you know, he's got a, a Russian. He, he got his Russian mug shot. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at the, the pictures photo. right now. He, I mean, he's got a nice head of hair on him. He's already got he's the nickname. He's a so, yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> It's so funny. There was a, they had an interview on on Chicklets a few weeks ago with Felino, uh, in in Minnesota, and they were talking about he was just talking about how Krill is so serious all the time. Like no matter how great of a play he makes, sometimes Felino would come back to the bench, and be like, "Hey man, great play over there in the corner. You got me wide open in front of the net." And Krill would just like stare at him, like shoot lasers at him, daggers at him. He'd be like, unless they scored, he was never happy. That's like so Russian, isn't it? It's it's. The most Russian thing I ever heard. So, <laughs> so I hope for I hope that they thrill. honestly for for the sake of the league and like a little bit of parody in the league. I hope that that Minnesota is able to get Krill back. And if they do, watch for Minnesota to move for Jack Eichel, dude. I that team needs a, a star center, and there's mm. one in Buffalo who wants to get the hell out, just like everybody else that lives in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> hey. We we did, we weren't far from there for a period of time, and we certainly hey. don't. We're not around there anymore, and for good reason. We but, did have uh, a great time. All, all very happy yeah, about yeah, that we as did. well. Yes, we did. Um, we did have a great time. We we definitely we definitely did. But uh, we're gonna move on now to our last trophy before we Masterton Trophy, finish. my favorite one. No, we're the Vezina. <laughs> Chris was gonna skip that one. No, you, you don't want to talk about dedication to hockey. That's all right. Well, these are the five major awards, Tom. I mean, I, I, I can't be doing a podcast. Who won the Bill Masterson, Tom? <laughs> My but, guy, Oscar Lindblom. Okay, there well, you yes, go. He was definitely that, deserved that. Was year? that. Yeah, so that's my guy. Survived I mean, cancer. He came correct. back to play. It's a tremendous story. Uh, there we go. He died, I, there's nobody else light. worthy oh for it, God. if you ask me. So, but, <laughs> Vezina. But, yeah, yeah. Let's talk Mark about Andre it. Fleury. Obviously, this is a regular season award, but you could have made the case for other goalies, right, Mr. Schmidt? I love Phil Grubauer. So Phil Grubauer obviously was on that list. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was on that list. So the three of them were the finalists, and, and Mark Andre Fleury comes away with the victory for it. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can because you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, a guy that has been around the league for quite some time. Uh, he has been I – mean, he went through Pittsburgh, and then they just let him go for nothing, which is just absolutely insane to me. 
Um, and then he goes on to to uh, to Vegas, and now he's 36 years old, and he had the best year of his entire career at 36. How do you tell that guy he wasn't the best goalie in the league when he yeah. has the best year of his career at 36 years old? I thought Grubauer had a great year. I thought Vasilevsky had a great year, but at the end of the day, definitely Leonard, especially because Leonard got the better of of uh, Grubauer in their regular season series. Um, the Avs only, I mean, okay, the Avs actually did have a winning record against Vegas against Flurry, but you have to remember some of those circumstances that the Avs had a bunch of guys hurt, Vegas had a bunch of guys hurt. They played a game at 10 o'clock in the morning that then ended at midnight on an outdoor rink. Like, let's not forget that happened. Oh, um, so there's a lot of a lot of stipulations to each one of those games head to head. But good for Flurry, dude, for having his best year of his career at 36. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I you know I was just playing a little devil's ass or devil's advocate, whatever which way you want to slice it. I agree. I think Flurry should have won. It's one of the only things that is not on his mantle case, and he finally was able to add it. He's a three time Cup champion, and now he could add uh, being a Vezina Trophy winner to his trophy case. So good on him. I think he deserves it. Vasilevsky, I probably would have went with second. I just think that he you know. 1A and 1B with Price, best goalie in the world. So, Grubauer, again, had a great year. But, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, Flurry, I, you know, ultimately, I think that uh, that was the right choice. So, Flurry's going to be uh, – he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. So, let me ask you, Chris, just because I was having this conversation with a couple of people this week. And, Twam, if you want to chime in, feel free. Uh, where would you put – Carey Price, without a Stanley Cup, where do you put him on the all-time list if you had to think about it really fast? Uh, well, I'm thinking Brodeur 1, Wa 2. All right, well, that's obviously wrong as it starts, but okay. Uh, you flip those two, but sure, yeah, go ahead. I'm trying to think. Okay, I'll tell you what I have. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say six. Six? Okay, I have him at eight. Um, if he doesn't win a cup, if he never wins a cup, I have a minute. So I have Watt one, Brodeur at two, then Dominic Hasek at three, followed by, and then this is where it gets hard because you're looking at statistics of guys who played without helmets. So they basically shouldn't even count. Uh, <laughs> and guys like Ken Dryden, Jacques Plant, I have them at four or five. Yeah, Billy I was Smith, say Dryden's definitely, definitely on there. Yeah, I have Billy Smith at six only because he won those four straight cups with the Islanders, and you can't discount that. So I have to have him in the top ten somewhere. Grant and then I have, Ed, I have Ed Belfour at seven, and then Carey Price at eight. Ed Belfour only because he won two Vesna. He won a Vesna, uh, went to two cups, won one during like a switching of like how the game was played. So I think that's really interesting that he was able to play the game at two different very different styles and win mm. at both levels uh so i have carrie price at eight right now so that's interesting but i think if carrie price wins a cup then i think he jumps Belfour to seven all time i think that you could even make a case for price being in the top five if he wins, if so? he wins a cup here's the thing with him like hashik's in the top three and i think deservedly sure. so but he never, like, he won a cup, but, like, he never, you know, carried the team on his back right. to win a cup. Right, He was kind of just, like, along for the ride with, in Detroit for, the, for that cup. So, as far as, you know, talent, he 
he carried teams that had zero, not zero talent, but did not have the type of talent to get to a Stanley Cup final, and he got them there. Price yeah. has that type of talent to type to to do that, and he just as a goalie, if you had a prototype of what you want a goalie to look like and his structure and how he plays the game, Price is pretty much as close as you're going to get to that prototype. And I think Vasilevsky might be even better as a prototype, if you ask me nowadays. Yeah, but still, he's got some time to figure that still, out. Yeah. But that's way down the road. I think that if Price wins a cup, you could make a debate for the top five, but I think that, that, that that's a fair ranking. Eight, any, anywhere between, anywhere in the top ten, honestly, I think you could put him between seven, six, and six, anywhere between six and ten. I'm on the higher end right now because just what I'm seeing from him. And recency bias. Recency yeah. bias, exactly. So, but, but you know what? I think that's a fair ranking. All right, Twam, let's hear yours. Give us your top five right now. So I got no dog in this time. fight. I'm not even, I'm not even <laughs> going to attempt, but I will go back on the flurry talk. Uh, he's just been a player that, you know, even as an outsider of the NHL, his name has just always been floated around, obviously, when you're succeeding with sure. the Penguins. It's crazy. So, you know, 16 years. And I'm just reading, you know, his, his own little – little article on him winning. I didn't realize, like, I mean, obviously playing on the Penguins all those years certainly helped, but he's got the third most wins yeah. for goalies in history. And that's just, like, that's crazy to me. Obviously, obviously he's not, you know, at that caliber of goalie, but it's just, like, a cool number. And you know what? It's good to see, you know, elder statesmen of leagues who've been around, paid their dues, been solid for most of their career, you know, get some recognition. So good on him. And in terms of a list – I'll get you a list in a couple weeks. Let me. <laughs> That's okay. Let me, you take your time. Let me do, some, let me do some further in-depth uh, research on that. But That's totally fair. I think it's just amazing that, like, of all the year, I mean, he's played. He's been playing for so long, right? Um, and you look at it, like how far his career goes back. It goes back to I think two thousand three, two thousand three, two thousand four was his first season. Never once in that in all those years. Has he had? Yeah, this is uh, his seventeenth season, so two thousand three, yeah. two thousand four, maybe. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. So never once in those years has he had a goals against average below two until this year. And granted, he only played thirty six games this year. He and he went twenty six and ten, still pretty good. But the only year that he's had a below a two goals against average, that's incredible. Just that at the age that he's at. And I just can never – I will never get over the fact that Pittsburgh just gave him away for nothing in the last in the last expansion draft because they were so set on uh, on a guy like Matt Murray and just obviously not have things with Murray work out and move on from him. Devastating to what happened in Pittsburgh. No, I don't think anyone's um, too devastated to see that, you know, them falter either. So, yeah, you know, they've yeah. had enough winning. Good on them. So awesome talk. We love the ice. We will continue to show love to the ice. I know you are a little struck for time, Chris. Do we have time for the NFL, or do we want to? Yes, that we we can. Al- we always have time for the NFL. All right. <laughs> so another, you know, another n- note to add to the profile of the man himself. Not only see Colorado Avalanche fan, which already, you know, you know, from New York, it's already like all right. It's one of the most bizarre. What, what is your fans. favorite team, Mr. Schmidt? What is your I mean, I'm I'm not I have no room to talk. I'm a Colts fan. That's outside yeah. the box. But No, it's cool. Um, what is your favorite NFL team? Your mix of teams are crazy. 
Well, okay, let's let's okay. Just one thing I want to mention real quick is that speaking of favorite teams, I really picked up on the Rockies since moving out here. <laughs> I really become like tried to become a Rockies. It's a hard when they're trading away guys like Arenado. Uh, and have you had a baseball team at all, or you just watch baseball? I, I was I was like a big Red Sox fan growing up. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, but I, I definitely picked up the Rockies out here. Obviously, it's easier with them being an NL team. Yeah. Um, so I, I picked up the Rockies. And Jermon Marquez has thrown a no-hitter through the last seven innings. So knock on wood for that. Um, okay. but, but for the NFL, you got to say, it's the one nation, the only nation. Raiders! <laughs> it's the Raider and Nation, dude. <laughs> with that, that'll segue into us with the division we're going this week, the AFC West, and we'll uh, we'll let you start it off. So you know, we just you know we we won't go too deep in terms of you know analyzing each team. Sometimes we do that, but we've gone on for pretty long. But let's just get a pretty. You know, we'll, we'll briefly go over each, you know, what we each are predicting. And, you know, we'll give some reasoning. But, Mr. Schmidt, your outlook of this AFC West, of your division for this oh. upcoming season. God, let me tell you, the Raiders went out there this offseason, did a couple things I wasn't ready for. They had a really good offensive line last year. Had a really good offensive line for the last few years. And it's something I felt very confident about when other things weren't going very well. They decided, Mr. Mayock and Mr. Gruden went out there and they decided, let's blow this shit up. So they went out there. They got rid of everybody. They go draft Alex Leatherwood in the first round. Guy out of nowhere, obviously. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Mr. Mayock loves taking guys that should not be getting taken out of big schools like Alabama, Ohio State, or uh, or Clemson. You look at their last few drafts. They draft Cleveland Farrell. Guy out of nowhere at fourth overall. Only because he went to Clemson. Uh, and then last year, Damon Arnett with their second first round pick, the second corner in uh, in Ohio State last uh, that year behind. Um, oh, help me out here, Twam. The guy they drafted by the Lions, um, Okuda. Okuda, Jeff Okuda. Yes, correct. So, um, and then this year they go out of nowhere again. They go back to the well of big winning teams. They're trying to build that winning culture there. In Oakland, so, or I'm sorry, in Vegas. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in Vegas. Um, so interesting that they went that route, but uh, yeah, they do that, and uh, I feel, I feel confident on the team. It seems like they went out, they did a little bit of work with their defense too, to to kind of shore up some things, and uh, and I think they got a good pass rush, even with with Cleveland Farrell, a guy that I'm not all that confident in. I think they did a good job to go out and get things done uh, on the defensive side. But overall, how can you possibly, as any fan of the AFC West, say that any team has a relative shot of winning with winning in that division when you've got that ridiculous team that somehow finds its way under the salary cap. Every the salary cap year. is a myth, and they've proved that time and time again. It's a salary cap. It just doesn't exist. Oh, it's insane what's going on in Kansas City. So if you're asking me for my prediction of who's going to win the division, well, one, one through four, real quick. Say it's the silver and black. It's got to be, it's got to be uh, Andy Reid and the guys out in Kansas City. Now, would you give the Raiders number two, though? What's your one through four off the top of your head real quick? Okay. Uh, If I had to run through it, it would be Kansas City at one, 
and then a big gap. I'm, I'm talking a big gap, yeah, like three, four game gap between the two of them. And then I think it's going to come down to the season series. And if the Raiders can actually beat San Diego this year, or I'm sorry, LA, uh, the Chargers, I'm, I'm hoping that they can that Monday night game a couple of years or last year, that Monday night game with Herbert and overtime really took years off of my life, dude. <laughs> um, so that one hurt a lot, but I think if the Raiders could win that uh, season series, I'd go two and zero against uh, against the Chargers. I think that they can finish second by just one game. So then Chargers third, and the Broncos in dead last, obviously <laughs> for yeah. obvious reasons. Guys like guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke at a quarterback competition doesn't really scare me. Well, maybe yeah. they throw Aaron Rodgers in that conversation. I'm, I'm okay, like, let's stop the Aaron Rodgers. We started it earlier, Chris, and I'm going to need you to stop it right now. <laughs> I will. I will because I, 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 I can't. I, you know, I can't. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll be, we'll be we'll be here for another 45 minutes if we're doing but that. I'm like I'm pretty in line with you as well. Uh, obviously, you know there has been that little you know that little ember of Aaron Rodgers and Denver. I think that's cooled down a lot over the past few weeks. Yeah. Obviously when the news first broke, that was that was huge, but it's calmed right. down to the point where, you know, the arrow might be turning back to him just staying in Green Bay. We don't know. We still have a whole summer. Obviously, I'm just going to get it out of the way. Obviously, if he goes to the Broncos, that changes everything. But this is this this is our predictions in this moment. In this, this moment, moment, yes. The quarterbacks of the Broncos are Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. They're coming in last. And if they don't, that's insane. But I think it's with if they if they go if they go to September seventh, or whatever the date is, September 9th, I think, with those two under center, I mean, last place is is coming. And you know, I agree with you as well, Nick. It's going to come down to you know the head to head between the Raiders and the Chargers, unless Herbert you know can take another leap. And you know, really take the but the Chargers seem to be one of those franchises that are just forever cursed by yeah. late game collapses and their kickers. So until that changes, I'm gonna have to continue to believe that they will choke. But them and the and then the Raiders too. I mean, the past like two to three years, I mean, you've seen it firsthand, obviously. They get off to these roaring starts, and then you know, as soon as we hit, you know, Thanksgiving or you know, the beginning of December, you know, six and three turns into six and seven six and eight real quick. And, you know, I'm not even trying to pour salt on the wound. No. Last season when they played the Colts, that was pretty much both of the team's lifelines. Like that was, that was a huge swing game. And then, you know, they didn't show up. So like, and that's just par for the court. I mean, I mean, Derek Carr threw a touchdown in that first half that Kenny Moore just, uh, I, what the hell was that? And you know what? Before we, we even like continue, we were truly robbed of just an opportunity to possibly go to that game and watch it together. They are playing this year again. The Colts and the Raiders seem to play each other quite frequently. So we'll, we'll, you know, we got time on our hands. We'll go to a game eventually. They play week 17 this year. That'll probably be a big game. But yeah, I mean, if it's, it's all like, it's time for Gruden to really flex that contract. Like let's get this team over that 10 game hurdle. Let's see them play in December. They certainly have, you know, often they they have players to do it. They they don't get out to six and three, six and four on accident. So you know they got to get over that. But it's it's really tough between them and the Chargers. You know, because it's going to come down to that season series for the sake 
of being on your good graces, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Raiders will come in second by a, a, a mere game over the Chargers. It'll be close. Uh, I think Derek Carr, you know, obviously isn't a top 10 guy, but I think he's a guy who gets hated on far too much. He's, he's pretty consistent. I'll give him that. Really? He's he's. I think is he is the most consistent quarterback. A stat show that he is the most consistent guy. You Consistently know what you're getting at great. Him. No, consistently average. Yeah, except think, for on must have fourth downs, in which he is. I, consistently I think the thing horrible. is, you, he always leaves you wanting more. He always, you're always like, I need. You yeah. could make you could make that play a little bit better. You can do yeah. this a little bit better. You can make that throw. I, I, instead of making that, it's like you're throw, 16 you to 18. Like, you it's like in the range of, you know, 15 to 19, because he's a guy that will get the job done, but, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with him. If like, you have a just, Super Bowl talented roster, yeah, you might be able to. You might to win be able to lead you there, but you know he's, not gonna, mean, he's not going to single. He's a game manager. He's Alex Smith. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's not going to win you games, but he's not going to lose But he's not going to lose you them either for the most yeah. part. But it is, um, it is really devastating that the one year in the, you know, the past. 20 that the Raiders were amazing that he got hurt. We really got robbed of that. Yeah, some yeah. certain team out there uh, snapping. The only, I still, you know, snapping that was a horrible season for us, but you know, I do, I, I give them a playoff win that season because the Texans don't win that playoff game. If I forgot who snapped, I don't think it was Robert Mathis. It was someone else. If, if they didn't, if they didn't break Derek Carr's ankle, they would have rolled over the Texans. And I say that, you know, with confidence. Instead well, it, was not of, only that, it was that and the backup got hurt. And then, yeah, uh, then Matt McGloin um, got hurt. And then it was Connor yeah. Cook who had Connor never Cook thrown an out of Michigan. Yeah. And it just <laughs> it was, was like, so there's no shot, but yeah, I mean, they're always an entertaining team for sure because they yeah. show up to games that you don't, they go toe to toe with the chiefs quite consistently. They did a good job. They did a good, great job. Yeah. They always seem to have battles against them. They go almost one and one against them almost every year. Yeah. Uh, which is the, the crazy thing was like more. this past year, they won that game on the road in Kansas City, and then they came back to Vegas. And I was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna annihilate them. They're going to go 2-0 and against the Chiefs. And then, obviously, Chiefs are going to cheat. So yeah. uh, that's not going to happen. But I do want to see more out of Josh Jacobs this year. I mean, yep. I thought he was going to absolutely explode last year. I drafted him pretty high in fantasy. Oh, I like, yeah, I, got the I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I got the say. best. Uh, but I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's going to bounce back and have a better year than last year. He's a, he's a machine. Like, he really yep. is a machine. I don't think – I don't think it was a case of, you know, a one and done. And then, you know, just to wrap my part up, I, I you, you don't pick the Chiefs to not come in first in this division. There's no sane, simple-minded, even an insane person can't. For now, yeah. You, for the next, you for the foreseeable future, you're going to be, everybody's yeah, going to be on it's the just, every That's just going to be how it is. And everyone's just going to have to deal with that. So yep. that's that's what I have. So what I'm going to go with is a little reverse. You guys are trying to have that coin flip with the Chargers and He's the Raiders. The I'm going to have the, the yeah, Broncos first place, absolutely. Uh, first place, Chiefs, without, without any questions asked. My second place team, though, because I am a big Justin Herbert guy, I think that he is going to be some steady competition for Mahomes for the next decade plus in that division. I do think they may even one year win a division. With San, with not San Diego, with Los Angeles. This year will not be the year, but 
Yeah, it's so hard. I give it about three more years before the San Diego thing just fades. It's still. I don't think it ever will, dude. I think they will always be the San Diego Chargers. (laughs) It's still fresh. There's no moving. There's no moving back now. You have that brand new stadium, so there ain't no turning back. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I think, and even, I'm gonna even go as far as saying I think Justin Herbert may have. I, I will definitely throw a bet on it. For him being one of those dark horse MVP candidates, I could easily see him winning an MVP this year. I think he's Justin that Herbert good for MVP. Yeah, I think that he that there's fair odds for that. I definitely could see him winning it. Um, you would win a lot of money that on that same that same leap that we saw Josh Allen take last year. I think we'll see from him. So I'm going to have them as a second uh, okay. team out of that division, and I could see them clinching a playoff berth as well. Uh, three. The Raiders again. I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw the last couple seasons with with John Gruden here. It's going to be a seven and nine, eight and eight maybe team. I just forget the seven and eight and nine now. It's yeah. seven <laughs> eight and eight. I'm not nine and eight. Okay, they're going to be an eight and nine type team. Nine and eight. Four nine and eight. One or the other. But they're going to be hovering oh, around five for a losing record. They're going to be hovering around 500. And then last is the Broncos. I mean, they, they, I, I got to be honest with you, they have a, a decent roster, but the quarterback situation is absolute dog shit. So they, 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 for that, they're yeah. in last. And I'm just going to get out in front of this now. It's embarrassing at this point. At the time, I didn't think it was. I was so high on Drew Locke, like really high. Like Colorado. So were, as soon as he wrapped g Easy on the bench, everybody was like, he's the dude. Like, I was Colorado high on Drew Locke to the point sure. where I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm someone who's not afraid to make bold predictions. You know, they drafted Jerry Judy. They drafted KJ Hamler. Cortland Sutton is awesome. This was in the offseason. This was, yeah, he missed you know, this one I, last year too. Though. When I thought, yeah, and this was after he finished off the season. Well, I was like, Drew Locke will be a top five fantasy quarterback. And I don't think he was even categorically ranked to be a bottom five. I just don't think you could even throw him anywhere. I just don't think you could even throw him in a ranking. So I have pretty, pretty horribly off on that. And, you know, while we're still on the Broncos, I got to ask, how far are you? from the Broncos stadium. I got to imagine you're going to go to Raiders Broncos this year. Dude, I want to. So I went two years ago. It was a week 17 game uh, in which both teams were already mad- mathematically. Well, the Raiders actually were the not mathematically limited. They needed like Indy, Tennessee. One of those situations. And like where two nine or teams more, two lose. more teams to lose. Then they <laughs> needed to win by like 30 plus or whatever to like have like that extra tiebreaker. Uh, and I went to that game, and they lost that game. Um, but uh, last year, obviously, got robbed of going. And then this year, they play like a week four game or whatever. I've been keeping my eye on tickets. They're quite expensive right now, even for like like upper deck tickets. They're looking at like 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 looking over the edge of the stadium. You're looking at like two hundred and fifty bucks or whatever for a ticket. But uh, for me to travel there, um, that's probably okay. So the way that Denver is set up is like all the stadiums are right on the edge of the city um, with like um, Coors Field where the Rockies play being the closest to me. Uh, And then the ball arena where the Avs and Nuggets play being just a few blocks away from there. And then Mile High is just a little bit outside of that. So it's a little further. But uh, I don't know if on the island where you guys are or on your islands, your separate islands. uh, Which or what you guys have, but we have like the lift scooters. Do you guys have those? We have city bikes, but yeah, not on city the bikes. Are, okay, but not on the like island. These little <laughs> electric, 
these little electric lift scooters, dude, that you could take at any hour of the day. Super dangerous at like 3 a.m. after being at the bar all night. But you could take those. I could rip that thing for 12 minutes. It cost me six bucks and I'm at mile high. That, That's amazing. That is the joys of Denver. Those things are awesome. Yeah, city bikes are not as comfortably affordable as that. I was lucky, though, you know, talking tickets again to snag yeah. season opener tickets for Indy. Yeah, I, I got saw. lucky with the price. And you know, I, I you know did my research. Most of the seats, it looks like there's a good view from anywhere. I haven't been there in seven years. I was supposed to go to the home opener last year. My friend's a diehard Vikings fan, so the last time they played five years ago, now we immediately said we were we were still in school when they played, and we're like, all right, we're going the next time they're playing. That happened yeah. to be last year. We had this planned for four years. We were like, all right, we're gonna go. It just so happened to be the home opener too, and then obviously you know everything happened, but I right. secured them. Seven years in the making. I cannot right, wait. I'm go. going. I'm going to two this year. I'm going in December as well, because you know, especially after last year being robbed of sports, I'm making sure I go to as many things as possible. I've already been to ten Mets games, and that number is only going to continue. I know. I see you there all the time. And then <laughs> when you're not there, I see your tweets being like, "I should be at City Field right now." Yeah, as much as they infuriate me, I mean, I love that place. As I, I hope they're good so bad this summer because that place is just amazing uh so yeah i I just just going overboard with going there but yeah eventually you know the the time time will you know a lot for us and we will be we will be going to some games absolutely Absolutely. hey sunday uh january 2nd raiders at lucas oil i know you know what it's not off the table it is certainly (laughs) not off the table how far is Indianapolis from you? I'm just curious. From me, you're probably looking at like for a drive, you're probably looking at like 15 to 16 hours. That's a great question. Let's look it up. I'll look it up, but you it's, keep talking. I, I would have to guess like 15 or 16. Yeah, hours. for the drive for me, it's like about 11. I'm sure the flight is like two and a half to three. I'm definitely not driving there. I wouldn't be opposed to driving there. That'd be a cool like road trip to do. But yeah. for this upcoming trip, I'm certainly gonna fly. I mean, I would again. I. You know, I'll take my old reliable Subaru on a long drive, you know, built for those kinds of drives. Right. But for this instance, I will be flying for sure. Yeah, it's 15 and a half hours for me. (laughs) 1,000 miles almost on the dot. So (laughs) certainly you're certainly flying there. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a drive there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for this Raiders season just because they added some good pieces. Like their their line, they moved out a lot of their old guys, and I thought it was kind of going to fall apart when they did that. But I, I feel good about it. And then obviously, if if Henry Ruggs can become the player that he was in college, and Brian Edwards can stay healthy, I like both of them at receiver. But really, the biggest like offseason acquisition that I really 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 like is that. If Farrell's not going to work out, you could have Crosby on one side, and then they went out and they got Yannick and Yakwe. Uh, I was so mad because they didn't even get him for a lot. I like the Colts need pass for us help, and I was like, this guy has never had a season where he's had less than eight sacks. They got him for what two for thirteen, not yep. expensive at all. So that that should certainly help. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be no sport sells hope better than the NFL. Oh no, because then you get these guys and they go straight into the lineup. Yeah. It's just it's just, you know, everyone just can't wait. Even if your team stinks, just watching the NFL, it, it it's just it's just different. It really yeah. is. Yeah, but, any uh, given Sunday. With that with that being said, you guys got any closing thoughts on this electric 
hour and a half that we've <laughs> we've run? No. <laughs> yeah, it no, awesome. nothing. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I had a hey, I had a great time linking up with Nick Schmidt here. It's been a while. So, besides that, I got uh, my brain is fried. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we've certainly exhausted every last brain cell today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a great time with you guys. Just want to throw it out there that uh, oh, never mind, never mind. Uh, your mind Marquez gave up a hit at oh, the over. top of the ninth. Oh. Yeah, top of the ninth. He's three outs away. Wow. Um, Devastating. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but yeah, boys, it's been a great time catching up Absolutely. with both of you. Obviously, talking some great sports. And uh, anytime you guys want to do this again, hopefully, Buddy will be back here uh, and we could we can get him uh, in on it. But yeah, let's do it again. I mean, we especially here at ATB. Around the boards, we've got a lot of off-season time to fill. Uh, that's going to be difficult. So, anytime we can get some more voices on, some more opinions, and uh, and really crack crack into Twam's head over there about his hockey knowledge and really get in there <laughs> and feed our own ideas in there, that's what we're gonna do. Oh, my mind's open to any kind of hockey manipulation. <laughs> if you need some kind of idea that needs to be sold, I'm open and I will go full steam ahead. we're down we're down for more of this this is absolutely absolutely but yeah it's just seeing this manifest and you know become now because i think it was about a week or two ago me and you were like you know dming each other about making it happen and you know here we are awesome to see it happen one more time around the boards is mr schmidt's podcast with his, his friend buddy and check them out check us out of course island sports talk we're we we both uh we're both just, you know, noble podcasts that just do yeah. what we're out here. <laughs> noble. We're yeah, out if here. you're looking for the follow on Twitter, it's at ATB the pod. So A T B T H E P O D. Beautiful. I mean, it's been awesome, Nick. We can't wait to link up again. You know, they, well, I'll just put it out here now. I mean, I don't see any reason why we can't, you know, after the cup concludes, whether it be a few days after, whatever the days line up. Uh, so for sure, we can, you know, do this again, talk about that. You know, do some off-season talk. Absolutely. Pretty much anything. Just, just to, you know, get some new voices around. It's certainly awesome. This is the first time we've had, you know, a, you I know, guess. Yeah. I don't know about for you, if you've had others on. Other no, than no we're only four episodes in, and one of them was just me. So we're <laughs> struggling to start. <laughs> yeah. it, it's definitely a grind. You know, we both can see that. But, yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. Absolutely electric. Expect more of this in the future. And, Absolutely. you know, it's all, it's, you know, it's 11 o'clock for us. It's only eight seventeen for you, right? Nine, nine, 17, nine, two hours. Right. Yeah. Two hours. All right. Not as early as I thought, but you know, it's been awesome. We'll, yeah. we'll continue to stay in touch. You'll see me continue rage tweeting about the Mets. Chris, <laughs> I hope so. You That's and I will continue to be doing our thing and it's been awesome boys. It's been absolutely awesome. So I wish you both a fantastic rest of the night. And with that being said, peace. Catch you.